Welcome to The People Project, the podcast about my journey to understand what it takes to create great company culture. My name is Jonathan Richards, and in this episode, I further explore the topic of how agile working works for small businesses. I'm talking to two of my colleagues at Breathe, partner director Nikki Forsyth and head of people Susie Hunter, to try and understand how we can build agile working into our own businesses. Bear in mind that we're not claiming to be experts. If you missed it, rewind to episode four and five to discover what Perry Timms from PTHR thinks, as well as the views of our panel of industry leaders. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Susie and Nikki. Glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Hi. So I think probably just to kick things off, it'd be great if you could introduce yourselves, say how you fit into the the Breathe team and maybe a little bit about your background. Sure. So yeah, I'm Susie, um, head of people here at Breathe. I've been with Breathe since April. So I'm uh, basically looking after all people-related activity. Prior to that, I uh, worked for Fender Musical Instruments for about 14 years. Brilliant. Welcome. Hi, I'm Nikki and I run the partner channel here at Breathe. I've been running the partner channel for about three years now and prior to that I've been involved with small businesses for over 20 years. Brilliant, so welcome to to both of you. We're here following the previous discussions that I've had with um, various people around the idea of agile working and it's something that's very dear to us at Breathe. We want to create a great company culture but also we want to create a very agile workplace. So had some great learnings from particularly the the talk I had with Perry Timms in a previous episode and I just want to us to explore how we can use some of those learnings to to move things forward. We've got a lot of projects on the go and I know both of you are really involved with those but what I wanted to kick off with was just sort of where we are and how how we set up Breathe to, to try and be agile. What are the kind of things that you see that we're, we're particularly doing at the moment? And Susie, you've not been with us long and it'd be great to sort of get a, a slight outsider's view as to, to what it was like to come into Breathe. Sure. For me, um, when we talk about agile working, I think about empowerment and adaptability. So empowering people to work using different methods, you know, different work locations, different times, really about like how the work's been done and the quality rather than you know where and when and how it's been done. So yeah, I think Breathe doing a good job so far, but I think there's more that we can do. So I think we have like a quite a flexible working environment and uh, where people are encouraged to you know use different methods of work come with new ideas, we have flexibility around working patterns and working from home, but I think we're now looking at how we can take that a step further. Brilliant. And, and Nikki and your team, with particularly the, the partner account managers, I'm thinking, it must be a pretty flexible environment you've got there with them being out on the road so much? Well, yes, there's always a, a need for trust in the account managers in the team. I need to know that they're doing a a good job when they're out on the road, when I'm not looking at what they're doing and watching them and that they're pulling their weight at the beginning and the end of a day when they're, they're off doing stuff. So that to me is, yes, it's a really important level of trust to, to have and the thing that I'm interested in is is increasing that level of trust uh, or passing on more responsibility to them. Okay and I think that's that's really interesting the trust piece of it that's central to everything that I've learned about agile working and it was really interesting in the the, the last episode I think it was Alison from Cook who who talked particularly about trust and we had a brief discussion around trust being being built from having the right company culture 
and the right pieces in place. So I know we're very strong on values here and it'd be great just to hear a little bit about about those values and what, what actually that adds to making an agile workplace. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look at our first value, people first, I think trust really underpins all of that. So it's in everything that we do, all the interactions that we have between all of us, whether that be you know management employee relationship or within teams. And trust particularly, I think, underpins the agile piece. So trust underpins what we do and particularly relevant for for our people first value. What about for your view, Nikki? For me, I think our value of growth mindset is is the one that really does it for me. Because if you take somebody on who you've established that they have a growth mindset, then you can put a lot of trust in them, expecting them to pull their weight and to work when you're not watching them because they should be driven by their their own desire for their own growth rather than just being because they're being watched. Absolutely, somebody's own desire. That again is another really important thing in that it's not that we want to be watching them, it's it's actually that we want to feel that we don't need to watch watch them because you know, I think in in talking about this before we started we were using phrases like you know we recruit grown-ups we recruit clever people and we we need to trust them to do their own job don't we yes absolutely so let's just just touch on the last value of can do you know it's a very easy one to say but i guess in an agile workplace in a much more flexible workplace can do has got to be central i think can do is really important because if people are signed up to that you can stretch them and you can give them things that they think are beyond their pay grade and if they buy into that mindset then they will stretch themselves to do it. Those are three examples. There are specific in-house values but I think it's important or I've learned that it's important for companies to to really understand their own values whatever they are to share them amongst their teams and also to have a purpose or a why to try and get everybody aligned in the same direction. Do you see that as being something that's living in your teams? Yeah absolutely I think the breathe values are at the forefront of everything we do is a big part of our culture. We have our kudos section on breathe all of that's related to our values how people are demonstrating those values on a daily basis. Yeah I think if you ask anyone who works here what the values are they'll be able to tell you them straight away and I think the why is also important from the point of view of just simple targets you know knowing what the company is intending to do where we're trying to get to and everybody takes that on board then they know why they're there and what they're expected to do what about some of the practical things that we've done in the in the few years that we've been going and I know we've worked really hard to set up the technology to encourage flexible working yeah, I think it's important if you're going to introduce flexible working and having people working remotely, for example, that they're able to do their job from whatever location that might be. So yeah, we've introduced um, different softwares, making sure everyone's got soft phones, for example, so they can take calls from their home or whatever their place of work is. So I think if you don't have that in place from the beginning, then potentially people aren't going to be able to make it work and be successful. And I think uh, Dan May from Ramsack in the previous episode touched on this very much that whilst agility and flexibility is not about purely technology it can be enabled with technology I mean your account managers Nikki must be able to to do whatever they need to do wherever they are Absolutely, yes. And they do. They really do. They stretch the boundaries of of what they're doing. They go in to see somebody and they log into all the systems and they get permission to log into the partner's systems. 
and they help them one-to-one when they're actually at the, at the partner site. So yes, they need to be able to do everything that they do in the office when they're out and about. Right. It's a great start, but what have we seen that hasn't worked? Where have we tried to build in agility and we've seen blockers or it just hasn't been adopted? At the moment, we are trialling flexible working. Um, So it's a flexi time scheme and we're trialling that in one of our teams, actually. So there's about eight of our employees that are taking part in that pilot. Some of our managers are a bit cautious about flexible working which is understandable because it's it's a different mindset you have to be able to trust your teams and even if you do have that trust it's just taking it one step further and I'm hoping that the trial that's taking part at the moment will help the rest of the organization be able to see the benefits that it's going to bring but certainly I think getting everybody on board can be a challenge yeah I can see that and actually I think it takes it almost beyond trust it's one thing to trust your team members but flexible working can to some extent actually be leaving them to it it's almost the next stage on from trusting them yes that's true I think it gives an opportunity though for people to show what they're capable of without that kind of direct management it's giving them autonomy so I'm joined by our content manager Nick Hardy who's going to discuss a little bit more about the Breathe business case and why you need to be downloading it Thank you, Rachel. The Breathe Business Case is a document we've put together to really make the business case of why invest in Breathe. Designed to be read by people in all sorts of departments, not just HR. So if you've got a finance manager or director who needs convincing, then this is the document for them. So we covered headline statistics. We've now used by 7,000 companies to manage more than 200,000 employees. And 96% of companies we surveyed said that they'd recommend our software to other companies. So if you've tried Breathe and like what you see, head over to our resources page, Breathe hr.com forward slash resources and download the business case. Sometimes we've found that we can give people more flexibility or feel like we're giving them more flexibility, but it doesn't always work. Can you maybe give us an example of a time when, when that's happened? We've got a headspace team, so we're trying to introduce different methods of giving people opportunity to go and get headspace when they needed to. We've got a nice space within our offices, a nice breakout area that we use for informal meetings, or you can go across there just for time for yourself, get away from you know any distractions. People are able to go across there, take 10 minutes if they need some headspace but we found that not everybody was sort of taking advantage of that. Do you think people feel like we're being serious when we say they can take time out? Do you think they don't feel we trust them? I think they probably think we're being serious but then it's a different thing when you're actually going to do it and you maybe worry about what other people are thinking. Yeah I think it's it's definitely a change of mindset it's not something that happens overnight I think it takes time for it to sort of become um, ingrained. And I'm guessing that's a little bit different for your team, Nikki, or for the account managers because they're used to running their own time, are they not? Yes, they are. We have an extra problem possibly, and that is covering the phones. So whenever we say to people, you know, you can take some headspace time in a quiet space, they have to make sure that the phones are covered while they disappear. It's probably worth pointing out as well why we're so keen on headspace. The earlier episodes, particularly the first three of this series, we spent a lot of time looking at mental health in the workplace and just how important it is for people to get that time out. So that's that's really why we're focusing on it. So Susie, Some of the projects that we're trying now, I know you're particularly keen on flexible working. Tell us how how that project is, is set up and how it's going. 
Mm, absolutely, yeah, I'm a big, a big advocate of flexible working. So we do have flexibility already, I think I mentioned earlier, and people can um, ask for flexible working arrangements. This is taking it one step further, so it's empowering people to manage their own um, timetable almost. So they can come in a little bit earlier, leave a bit later. I think it was mentioned in one of our earlier episodes that you know some people perform better at the end of the day, some people, early risers, they you know, perform better in the morning. So it's really about people being able to um, work for a way in a way that's best for them. For me, I think it takes away a lot of stress factors for people. So you know we've got a lot of parents who might be doing the school run it could be all sorts of reasons really that taking away those stress factors enables them when they are in work to be more present more engaged more focused and more productive so we decided that we'd trial a program which we've called breathe flex it's a flexi time scheme and it allows everyone to have some flexibility on their working patterns they might take shorter lunch breaks as i said start earlier finish later Maybe um, they work a shorter day one day and longer days on another day. And they might do a bit of homeworking. So it's pretty flexible. We're trying not to have too many rules because otherwise that takes away the flexible element. But it does involve a lot of trust. It's definitely a change of mindset for um, people that haven't worked in that way before. So we've decided that we would trial it in one of our teams. That's happening at the moment and so far it's going well. After that trial is finished, we're going to review um, how it's worked, speak to everybody involved, hopefully put something in place for the uh, rest of the organisation. And how did you decide which team to trial it with? So we've actually um, trialled it in a team where we thought it might be the most difficult to be successful because it's a team who are customer facing so they have to be available on the phone for emails so it's not always possible for everybody in the team to decide well I'm not going to come in till 10 o'clock today there still has to be really good communication going on within the team to make sure that we're still offering the best service that we do to our customers so we thought we'd trial it on that team first because that's going to hopefully bring out the challenges that we can find solutions for before we roll it out to the rest of the organisation and what do you is there something special that you need in the leader of a team that's taking a trial like that yeah I mean they have to buy into it I think and recognize the benefits and just not be afraid to give it a go and and take on whatever challenges come up I guess yeah so good results so far so far the feedback's been great actually so feeling quite positive about that brilliant okay and the the challenges ahead for that do you see it being difficult to roll out to the rest of the company or I think the challenges are that every team has sort of different commitments so some are customer facing um, Nikki's team for example are out on the road quite a lot as it is so they're managing their time when they're going to be in the office together is more of a challenge so yeah I think having sort of like one scheme there's not like a one size that fits all I would say so I think we need to have a, a scheme but that it remains very flexible so that the teams can almost have like their own version running that works for them Brilliant watch this space and mm. no doubt we'll, we'll report back in later episodes about about how that one's going Nikki one of the things that that you're doing in your team which is brave but also exciting you've taken a a section of your team and and made them self-managing tell us a little bit about your thinking behind that it's the account manager side of of my team and I was in the position where I needed to have a line manager effectively for that team to be able to pass responsibility down to them they were all working at very much the same level and so I didn't want to take the traditional approach of 
appointing a line manager, making one person really happy with the responsibility and leaving the others feeling a bit unhappy because they'd been passed over. So rather than doing that, I took the approach of the self-managed team. And what that's really doing is passing the, the, the so-called line manager responsibility down to the whole team so each one of them will take different elements. The term in self-managed teams tend to be they take the lead on something. So one of them will be taking the lead for example on recruitment, another one on holiday approvals, another one on expenses approvals. We've got various projects going on in the teams and one of them will take the lead on, on one of those and make themselves the point of communication with the rest of the business. And it also puts a lot of onus on them as a team to organise themselves, to agree their own working practices, to form a culture amongst themselves. The effect of that has been really transformative, even though we're relatively new to the whole thing. They're really embracing it. You can see that they're loving the extra responsibility, all of them, which is is just fantastic to see. Are they truly a team of equals or are there people shining within the team? And I know it's not fair to go public on any, any major details. <laughs> no. is, it, is it allowing some people to shine more or are some people more comfortable with it than others? I think they all have a level of comfort with it. Yes, definitely one or two of them are embracing it probably more quickly than others. But it's lovely to see actually because each person has their area of comfort. So somebody will just, you know, when there's a need for something, somebody will just volunteer and say, oh, I can take the lead in that. You know, the stronger ones and the weaker ones are all catered for because there's maybe some some slightly easier tasks that the, the weaker ones can take and the stronger ones might take the bigger ones. But it doesn't really matter. It's everybody taking an extra element of responsibility. And it's all things that a traditional line manager would do. And I guess maybe it's it's less about strength and more about experience. If somebody's got experience or particular skills, then, hey, why wouldn't you want them leading it? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, one person might be particularly good at just plain organising things and another might be happy to, you know, go out and meet somebody to explore something new and, you know, each to their own. Sure. For me as well, the model is very adaptable, so I can see in the future that even though um, members of the team might have taken on a certain role now, that that will change and they will change roles as they go through the new model. Yes, and I, I think that's very true. And also, we're over the next couple of months, we're in bringing in two new people into the team. So that will introduce a completely new element to it. We'll have to work out how to onboard them, how to tell them how it works and how to not only tell them, but get them operating in the same way and what to delegate to them as well. And over time, the whole thing will just evolve. There's also elements to it as well that I'm still holding. So we had a discussion when we first introduced the project about the limits of where we could take this. And there was a discussion about whether they did each other's appraisals and whether they went to the point of actually agreeing each other's salaries. And on both those points, you should have seen the look of shock in their eyes, <laughs> fear. And they all agreed that that wasn't what they wanted and they wanted me to hold that responsibility. So, and that's fine for now, I will hold that responsibility, but actually we're moving into appraisal season and what I've asked them to do is to fill in a, a little questionnaire about each other 
so that they are taking at least a remote element of input into each other's appraisals, even if I'm the one that's going to deliver the appraisal. So is that somewhat down the road of a a 360-degree appraisal? Yes, yes. I just simply, you know, I kept it really simple, just a few questions, but asking them to answer those questions on behalf of each other, um, I will collect up the answers and introduce any thoughts that they have had into the appraisal, which is actually important because they are now working together much more than I am with each of them. So it's really important to get their feedback into the process. Totally. I said earlier on that it could be seen to be a courageous move. Do you feel courageous or does it feel natural? <laughs> um, yeah, it felt really courageous before we started. It was like, what are we? What cliff are we jumping off? But after the first session, and Perry Timms was the, the one who worked with us in that first session, it felt much more like an evolution rather than a revolution. There was the things that were obvious that we could that I could pass down to the team, and there were the things that were obvious that I couldn't. You know, so over time we'll just move in the direction of them taking more and more responsibility. Taking both of those examples of, of things that we're trialing, Susie, if we start with you, what would be your top tip to somebody who was thinking around implementing flexible working? I think it's important to involve people in your plans. So you know, speak to relevant people in the organisation, whether that be team leaders, leadership team, people on the ground. Get input. What what do people want? That's a good start. You know, what can the organisation manage at this time? It might be that you take small steps to begin with, with a view of something sort of bigger in the future. And Nikki, for somebody who just might like the idea of having a self-managed team in their organisation, what's what's your top tip? Obviously, the uh, the journey's early yet. I have a fantastic team, and I think that's made it easy for me. I think that the most important thing was to to go for it and to push it for them. Because actually, you know, when I first started talking about it around them, I got a fairly cautious response about it. And I think they didn't know what it was all about. And they didn't particularly want to push themselves forward for it. But the moment I actually gave them that responsibility and it was all agreed and and settled how it was going to be, they just loved it. Yeah. Taking this on further, we've had various discussions on the podcast about different levels of flexible working. Do either of you ever see a day when Breathe won't have an office? No, not for me. Um, I still think having the team environment, having everyone together is really important. It's important for, for the culture, uh, for teams to operate efficiently. And, you know, we're kind of a big family and... I don't think we would be that if we never saw each other. So I think for me, that's taken it one step too far. I think that some organisations, yeah, that might work for them, but it wouldn't work for us. Okay, yeah, and that's, that's interesting because I've, I've seen organisations where having no office, being completely virtual is just exactly what they, what they want, what mm. they need. But they always tend to start off that way. If somebody tries to go that way from having had an office, then I think that's a real a real uphill battle. So Nikki, going forward, can you are there other things that we're trialing or are there other things that, that you can see on the horizon that, that are helping us become more flexible? One of the things that we're we're thinking about or that we've we're we're trialing is a growth team. So it's a team of specifically not the leadership team in the company, the people who are volunteering to get together and 
look for solutions, look for things that we can improve both in the product and possibly in the, the wider company as well and make recommendations up to the leadership team to make some changes. It's trying to shortcut the process of how Breathe as a company or as a product gets developed? Yes, as the company gets bigger it's very easy for all the decision making to happen at the higher level and for those at the bottom to feel disenfranchised, probably with lots of good ideas, but not necessarily with the ability to get their voice heard. So this is a way to get them to be able to introduce some ideas, um, to get it thought about, get it put together, and maybe discussed at a, amongst the growth team. And then obviously the good ones get put to the, the leadership team for. For decisions. Great. I think we're probably getting close to to wrapping it up. Anything else that either of you want to to add to the the conversation? I think from my perspective, I just love what's happened with my self-managed team. I would really encourage anybody to to go for it on the basis it's not jumping off a cliff it is an evolution I think that's could make a huge difference to many companies yeah I mean for me I think I um, go back to um, the flexible working and just how I feel that it can really um, help boost productivity so I think it's very people focused but it's also looking at the results for the business as well so going back I guess to what Perry was saying in the first session with his big A and his little A you know it's not about people just being able to go off and do what they want they have to be still aligned and still accountable our flexible working and practices are going to bring all of that together and so what may start out being a little a with a flexible working scheme actually um, encourages those behaviours that turn into the big A about how we do things overall in the business not just about how we're working but about the methodology behind it. So I, I sort of wrap things up with one of the, the reasons I was keen to have you both on the podcast is that clearly you're very passionate champions for your own particular projects mm. you know and I think I hope Nikki won't mind me saying that she's got some reserves about flexible working but a total advocate around uh, around the self-managed teams so I think I would say one of my main learnings is that for any of this to exist, you have to have somebody inside the organisation who is more than just willing to take it on as a project, but actually is passionate about it and prepared to to stand up and, and shout about it and encourage everybody to, to head in that direction. Yeah, a champion. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. If anybody wants to get in touch with either of you, what's the best way to to reach out to you? LinkedIn is always a good way uh, to connect or details on the, uh, the website as well. Brilliant. Yes, and the same for me. Good news. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll note our report back in later episodes as to how, how progress is going. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks. That's it for episode six on Agile Working. Thank you to Susie and Nikki, as well as you, our listeners. Join me for episode seven, where I'm testing my own agility by switching topics to employee productivity. In the meantime, why not catch up with previous episodes by subscribing to The People Project on your chosen podcast provider. Alternatively, head to breathehr.com forward slash resources forward slash podcast to find links, guides and further information from all episodes.